0: Well, today's message and all of the messages in this advent series are going to be from something to some or something versus something else. And this message is called what's it called? Can you put it up? I think it's called a bun You can't even read that, can you? Abundance versus scarcity. Abundance versus scarcity. Now, I realize that the Christmas season very often um, can seem to us like, it's not really like a very spiritual season. It can seem like a very materialistic season. It can seem like there's a lot of consumerism at work during Christmas time. And so um, it, sometimes Christians can feel like the holiday. The And by the way, the word holiday is a good word. You know all the people, they got upset about saying happy holidays. It's not happy holidays. It's Merry Christmas. And I'm the Grinch. You know? Um, holiday means holy day. The original holidays were holy days. And so... Uh, This is the holy day of Christmas, the holiday of Christmas. And, um, and so, uh, during this season, very often Christians can get a little bit upset and uh, can think that their holy day has been taken away from them and made materialistic and consumeristic and all of that kind of thing. And we can do it, we can go so much to that extreme that we can can then become like the Grinchies of Christmas. And even this week, I saw in a Christian magazine And yes, paper magazines apparently are still a thing. Um, I saw in a Christian magazine an article, should Christians boycott Christmas because of all of the big spending, not only on gifts, but also on food, and we eat more food than we really need, and all of this kind of stuff. And yes, We do want to avoid consumerism and materialism on the one hand, but on the other hand, were we to boycott that, we are missing the whole point that God is throwing a party, that God is a God of provision, that God is a God of abundance, that this world is a world of abundance, the reason that there are people hungry today is not because this world can't sustain them, it's because of the way humans have greedily and, and, and um, uh, uh, selfishly divided up um, uh, the, the land and so on. Do you know that there are 8 billion people on planet Earth, yet humans produce enough food every year to feed ten? billion people. There is more than enough in creation. God is a God of abundance. And sometimes at Christmas time, because we take time, and we should take time, to think about those who are less fortunate. And you know, especially organizations like the Salvation Army are very prominent and in the public view during this time of year, and so we become very much aware of how many people there are living in poverty. We might also become aware of how much food we are buying for our Christmas dinner, and there might seem to be like a disconnect there, and so we can then say, maybe Christians should boycott Christmas or or things like that. And then sometimes what we do is we then take that idea to the extreme and we actually misinterpret the Christmas story. And so I've seen lots of Christians at Christmas time especially because we are aware of how many people are struggling with financial lack during Christmas time. And even if throughout most of the year, you're able to make ends meet, if you're just making ends meet and you get to Christmas time, you also suddenly become aware that you are less fortunate if you are in that situation and that other people seem more fortunate than you. And this whole contrast between poverty and wealth, between scarcity and abundance, really comes to the forefront at Christmas time. Because of the money that's being spent on gifts, because of the money that's being spent on food, because of the cold temperatures outside, that's when it really comes to the forefront. And one of the messages of the christian story and 're going the christmas story we 're going to hear today is that God wants to use us as agents of generosity to bless people who are less fortunate than us right that 's true, but because that contrast between abundance and scarcity seems so big to us at Christmas time. I have seen Christians that because of their rejection of commercialism and rejection of materialism end up glorifying poverty or glorifying, um, you know, the, the, the struggle side of the story. And you know, anybody who's been poor and homeless at Christmas time will tell you there's nothing glamorous about it. There's nothing to be glorified in it, and in fact, all they're wanting is somebody to help them out of that situation. And when we kind of like almost glorify, and I'll explain what I mean by that, the poverty side and the scarcity side and the struggle side of the Christmas story, then um, what we, we miss the whole point. And the whole point is God wants to lift people out of those circumstances and bring them into his kingdom for the kingdom of God is like a man who threw a party and prepared a great banquet and invited the needy to come to it, Jesus said. And so the point of the Christmas story is about how God is a God of provision in the midst of poverty, and sometimes when we when we miss that, and we kind of change the details of the Christmas story a little bit, you get all of these uh, memes that go about and posts on social media. I see them every year. They usually say something like this: "Jesus was a poor, homeless refugee." I'm sure you must have seen some of those. I've seen one that says. We worship a homeless man on a Sunday, but we walk past the homeless on a Monday. I always want to type in, maybe you walk past them, but I don't. You know? And actually, then I also want to type, maybe you worship a homeless man, but I worship the King of Kings and the Creator of the Universe. Actually, you know? Uh, But there's this belief. I even saw one last week that says, Jesus was a dirty homeless hippie. That was what it said. As if they were promoting this, as if this was a good thing, you know? And um, so I actually have to debunk these things before I get to my point, but these are not my point. They are just misunderstandings of the Christmas story and of the the life of Jesus. So let's just have a quick look. Was You know, Jesus experienced poverty. Jesus experienced danger. Jesus experienced threats to his life. Jesus experienced having everything taken away from him on the cross. But that is not the point of the story. The point of the story is that God is faithful, that he is a God who supplies all of our needs, and that he wants to partner with us. And every time Jesus was in those situations, the whole message of the kingdom of God was God lifting him out out of those situations and into his abundance, into his provision, into his safety. So let's just quickly have a look at these three things. First of all, was Jesus homeless? Now I'll tell you where people get that from. There's a verse in the Bible where Jesus said, um, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He was homeless. He had no place to lay his head. He wasn't in his hometown when he said that. He was visiting another province. And when he arrived there, they decided to reject Jesus and reject his message. And they wouldn't show him any hospitality. And that night, he had nowhere to lay his head. Right? Just that night. One night. Okay? Was Jesus homeless? John 1, 38. Jesus turned, saw them following him. This is a couple of the disciples, and asked, What are you looking for? I, I, I like to put tones of voice on the Bible. What are you looking for? I don't know if it was like that. But anyway. And they answered, Where do you live, Rabbi? Which means teacher. And Jesus said, I'm a dirty homeless hippie. I don't live anywhere. Was that what he said? And Jesus said, come and see. It was then four o'clock in the afternoon. So they went with him, oh my goodness, and saw where he lived. And they spent the rest of that day with him. It is not true to say Jesus was homeless. Jesus doesn't need to be homeless in order for us to have compassion on homeless people, okay? Okay? Jesus told us to have compassion on homeless people. As Christians, we should obey Jesus' teachings, whether he was homeless or not. Okay? But he wasn't homeless. Ah, but he was poor. He was poor. Was he? Let's look on. Next one, please. Was Jesus poor? Well, let's go to his crucifixion. He was certainly poor on the cross because everything was taken from him. He was, he was stripped of everything, even the very clothes he was wearing was taken from him. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. And so that was what they did. This idea of having a garment that is one piece, that has been woven in one piece, you can actually go online and you, uh, you can find historical websites and archaeological websites that will show you these kinds of garments and the way they were woven. It was called a fish weave. It was woven in a special way. And that was a type of garment that only wealthy merchants wore, Okay. And so we know that Jesus, at least when he was crucified, the clothes that were taken off him were not the clothes of a beggar, but were the clothes that wealthy merchants wore. By the way, Jesus was brought up in the home of Mary and Joseph. And Joseph was a? And the Greek word for carpenter is tekton, which means housebuilder. The tailor's clo- children will wear clothes, and the house builder's children will have houses. Okay, And a housebuilder was a wealthy merchant that was able to negotiate. In fact, we even know from history that the artisans that lived in the village of Nazareth were employed by the Romans to go down the road and to build the city of Sephorus. And so we know that. that. So, so no, Jesus wasn't Poor. I'm not saying he was rich. I don't know how much money he had. But this idea that he was like going about in tatters is not true. Yes, but wasn't he a refugee? Let's have a look and see if Jesus was a refugee. Well, this of course comes from the idea that they had to flee from Herod to Egypt. Now, I don't know. I mean, like different people have different definitions of refugees. I know in Europe it certainly means hundreds of thousands of people suddenly arriving across the Mediterranean in boats with no money, drowning in the sea and terrible things happening. Is that what happened to Jesus, Matthew 2? On coming to the house, by the way, this is a Magi. Remember Jesus was was born in a stable, but now he's in a house. God has provided a house for them to live in in Bethlehem. On coming to the house, the Magi saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened up their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Let's read on. Next slide. "'Get up,' he said. "'Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt.' Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son." I don't know what your definition of a refugee is, but I just don't imagine that here's a mother and a father and a little baby and here's three wise men or however many wise men they were and they have opened up their treasures and given to this family gold and frankincense and myrrh and then this family with all of this material wealth go to Egypt for a few months on their own expense Until Herod dies, and now it's safe for them to return to their own country. That is not the definition. That's like a long vacation. That is not the definition of a refugee. It is not true to say that Jesus was a poor, homeless refugee. And the idea from all of that seems to come from the fact that if Jesus was a poor, homeless refugee, then maybe Jesus' followers will be compassionate towards poor people, towards homeless people and towards refugees but actually I think God's people should be compassionate towards poor people towards homeless people and towards refugees not because Jesus was those things but because God is a God of provision that he wants to provide the needs of those people and that God's provision comes through generosity and God wants us to be the vehicles for his generosity if we are poor homeless refugees then we wouldn't have anything to help with other people but if god blesses us out of a, an overflow of generosity in our hearts we should want to bless others because we're part of the kingdom of god and as we saw in that video the kingdom of god this people in this world might make this world a place of scarcity but the creator has made it a place of abundance and it is through generosity that God begins to demonstrate his abundance and his provision for the world. You see, God provided for Jesus and for Mary and for Joseph. God provided the financial resources they needed from the Magi. God provided a place of shelter for them to stay. And, and, and you know something? When God provided, he provided through people. They arrived in Bethlehem and they went to the inn. The Greek word actually means the guest house. The guest house. They they came from Nazareth, which was an Essene area. And historians tell us there was an Essene guest house in Bethlehem. So they would have made their way straight to the Essene guest house. But guess what? Everybody else had made their way to the Essene guest house. And there was no room there. But the people that owned it said, we do have an area where the animals are kept and you can go in there you can give birth to the baby we'll put fresh straw, as soon as possible we will get you into the house which is where they were when the magi came. Shelter was provided, warmth was provided a house was provided gold, frankincense and myrrh were provided, an escape route to Egypt was provided a return trip back home again to Nazareth was. they went back to their home God provided every Everything that they needed. But he didn't provide it by raining dollar bills or shekels or whatever down from heaven. God provided for their needs through people. It was people that God used to provide their needs. And that is one of the messages that Jesus tells us again and again. That God has a heart for the poor. He has a heart for the struggling and the suffering. And he wants to be a God of provision and a God of abundance to them. But God provides through people. One of the things that we will give an account to for the Lord one day is whether we have been vehicles of his generosity. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all of the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates his sheep, from the goats then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world for i was hungry and you fed me i was thirsty and you gave me a drink a stranger and you invited me in To your home, naked and you gave me clothing, sick and you cared for me, in prison and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. People, the Christmas story is not so much about poverty. It's about provision. The Christmas story is about provision, and it's about Jesus bringing a message that includes the fact that our generous God wants to display his generosity through us so that those who are less fortunate will know God's provision. Let your good deeds shine before men. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God provided Jesus, Mary and Joseph shelter, money, safety and guidance but he provided through people. When you read the scriptures God always provides through people and one of the things that we will have to give an account for one day is the fact that God wants to use us As agents of his generosity to help other people go from scarcity to abundance. You know, it wasn't just when Jesus was born that God used people to provide for him. You know, it wasn't just the the circumstances of his birth and and the occupation of Joseph that God used to provide for him. But God used people to provide for Jesus throughout his life. Let's just have a look at this verse here. I think it's in Luke's gospel, Luke 8. Jesus traveled about from one town and village to the other, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chuza, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Here was a group of wealthy women... Who were becoming the agent of provision to provide for Jesus and his 12 disciples. So that they were able to do what they were called to do without being hindered by scarcity. Any scarcity they had was met by abundance because God uses people. God provides through people. Sometimes when God provides through people, sometimes God provides through a free gift, a free, no strings attached gift. Somebody just feels led to give you money, to write you a check. I, I know people who have gone to their bank and some anonymous person had deposited a large sum of money in there. They didn't know where it came from or anything. Sometimes God provides through just a free gift with no strings attached. If you give money to Hope Mission or to the Mustard Seed or to the Salvation Army over this Christmas season, you're giving or you're donating gifts to the Ronald McDonald House like we're doing out there. You're giving these things no strings attached. You're giving a free gift so that somebody else can be blessed. But God provides through people in different ways. Sometimes God provides jobs, you know. Sometimes God's provision can be missed because it comes in the form of W-O-R-K. You know, you want somebody to provide you with $5,000, but they provided you with a job. I don't want a job, I just want the $5,000, you know. God's provision can come through a job. Maybe somebody might maybe God's provision might come by somebody just Offering you an opportunity, giving you an introduction to the right person, opening a door for you that leads to something else. It's not always cash. My point is God works in this world through people. When we have needs and we pray for God to meet our needs, we don't go to bed and then wake up the next day and there's a briefcase lying at the foot of our bed and we open it and there's a million dollars in it. That's not how it works. How it works is God works through people. Sometimes we are the people who are less fortunate, and God provides for us through other people. At other times, we are the ones that God is providing other people's needs through. There will be seasons in life where you have to humbly accept God's provision from other people, and there will be seasons in life where you have to generously become God's agent of provision for other people. And so God is a providing God. I saw this thing posted recently. Um, Somebody had posted this thing online. And it was a photograph of a car. I can't remember what it was. But it was like a pretty expensive fancy car. And I don't know if the story was true or if it was just like a parable or whatever. But this story said, so I bought this new car and I parked it outside my house. And my neighbor came over and looked at it. And instead of being pleased for me, he began to criticize it. And he said, that's a very expensive car. How much did that cost? Think of all of the hungry people that could have been fed by the money that car cost. And so he said, So I answered them and said, Well, actually, quite a lot of hungry people were fed. The workers in the factory took home a salary and provided for their kids. The tires are made in a different factory and the workers in that factory who made these tires got a paycheck and now their family's not hungry. Every time it needs repaired, and I take it to the mechanic, the mechanic's gonna be able to feed his family now because I brought my car to be fixed. Every time I go to the gas station, gas workers in the oil fields, people in the who serve in the gas station, uh, people who, who transport the oil from one place to another, because God forbid we ever transport it through a pipeline, all of these people are all making money their families are being fed because I bought this car. We need to look at provision in a different way. Sometimes it's an opportunity. Sometimes it's a gift. Sometimes it can be all kinds of things. But just know this. You pray to God for provision and God provides through people. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom people. God provides through people. He will provide your needs through people, and he'll provide other people's needs through you. I want you to put up, I think I've got another slide that says, starts with think, does it? Think of all the ways that God has provided for you throughout your life through people. Through your parents, through your employers, through friends, through relatives, through finding a very good tax accountant, through people, God can provide for you through people. When you realize that, that should produce a spirit of generosity in your heart. Now, think of all the ways that God can use you to provide for others this Christmas season and allow the gratitude to produce generosity so that you then become generous. And this Christmas season, let's all move from a scarcity mindset of I don't have enough and I can't be generous and there's not enough in this world. Let's move to an abundance mindset That our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the Bible says. The Bible says all the gold and silver in this planet belongs to the Lord. The Bible says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. The Bible says, give and it shall be given to you. The Bible says, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. Wouldn't it be good if instead of us having to decide, am I on the scarcity side this Christmas and I need people to meet my, I need God to meet my needs through people? Or am I on the abundance side this Christmas and God can use me? to generously meet the needs of other people? Wouldn't it be good to be on a continual cycle of saying I'm going to overflow with generosity and then I know God will provide back to me and then I'll overflow with generosity and then I know God will provide back to me? Let's put our faith not in the regular channels of your provision, whether it be your job or whatever. Let's put our faith in God the king of the kingdom, a kingdom which is an abundance, which is like a great party and a big banquet that everyone's invited to. And let's believe that our Father can provide all of our needs and that we live in a kingdom of abundance and therefore there is no need for us to be stingy in any way, but we can become generous people who give out of an overflow. We speak generous words. We give generous of our emotions, of our heart, of our warmth, of our financial giving, of whatever it may be. Let's be people of generosity, and let's bless as many people as we can. This Christmas season who are less fortunate than us because that is God's provision to them. God provides to them through us. And see as we're doing that, let's believe that as we give, it will be given back to us and that we won't be worse off as a result of being generous to others, but that our God shall supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. And we're going to get into this cycle of giving and receiving, of being generous and being blessed and being generous and being blessed and being generous. That's what God intends. God intends for his children to be blessed and out of an overflowing heart of gratitude, they bless others. Maybe instead of railing against everything that's wrong in society, we could be the agents of change in society. A few weeks ago, we did a short series called Prayer Changes, and in one of those ones, the message called Prayer Changes Me, we looked at the prayer of St. Francis. And I want us all to stand up today. We're going to say this prayer. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back out. This prayer of St. Francis is all about this concept. It's about this concept of generosity and abundance. That wherever we go into a situation... Where there is need, where there is lack, there's a lack of love, let me bring love. There's a lack of joy, let me bring joy. There's a lack of provision, let me generously bring provision. So we're going to say this prayer together. It's over two slides, I just want to read it through. It's, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me bring love. Where there's offense, let me bring pardon. And so on, and then on the, after this slide, the next slide says, "O Master, let me not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that one receives." Let's put the prayer back to the beginning. Let's lift our hands up. I know this is a medieval prayer, but it's a powerful one. Very powerful one. And as we say this prayer together, let's be saying it from a place of abundance, a place of generosity, and a place of overflow. Let's pray together, church. Let's go. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. Oh, Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, for it is in pardoning that one is pardoned, and it is in dying that we are raised to eternal life. Father, for everyone in this place today, I pray that you would move in a deep way, stir up our hearts to know and acknowledge that you are the great provider. You will provide for all of our needs and you want to use us to be your generous people, to be a demonstration of your kingdom, Use us, Lord, to bless in some way everyone that we come into contact with over this Christmas season. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.